This is Cynthia Schur with The Ground Floor, JPR's segment on entrepreneurial businesses in the state of Jefferson. All businesses began because somebody had an idea, and then sometimes they have another idea. Today's guest is Dan Hawkins, co-founder, CEO, and president of The Human Bean. If you live anywhere in Southern Oregon, you've seen Human Bean drive through coffee stores. Dan started the company in 1998 in Ashland and for the first time ever is on the 2023 Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing companies in America with over 200 locations open or under development. So congratulations to you, Dan, and welcome to the ground floor. Well, thank you, Cynthia. No, this is uh, an honor to be on your show and yeah, yeah, great to talk to you again. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So tell us how you came up with the concept for, for the human being. Oh, gosh. So about 26 years ago, my wife and myself and a couple partners uh, were passionate about coffee and, and decided that uh, there, was, there was a need here in Southern Oregon to, um, to, to put a couple of amazing you know, coffee offerings out there. And uh, so we started in Ashland, and that was store number one at 25 years ago. And uh, then kind of that one was successful, and so we just kept opening more as we went along and uh, had a lot of fun along the way. Cool. So I'm curious, what prompted the idea for my very favorite part of the human being experience, which is the chocolate-covered espresso bean that you put on top of the cup? Oh, gosh. So, you know, with... uh, with our name, it, it, we, we really wanted to be something very community-oriented and give back. And, and you know, everything that we, we do, we try to give a little surprise and delight. And that was just kind of a signature thing that um, I came up with uh, before we even opened because we wanted it to be something special, something that was out of the ordinary, something that, uh, that you wouldn't expect anywhere else. So... That became kind of our signature, and uh, for a while there, we were using, you know, just kind of some generic beans and generic coffee, and then once we got big enough to actually use our own beans and uh, get some custom chocolate, we did that. So over the years, it's evolved, but it's still been the same kind of treat for our uh, loyal guests. Oh, that's that, that's really interesting. So, so you went from, from buying somebody else's chocolate-covered espresso beans to making your own. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we actually send our roasted coffee up to a chocolatier, and they cover them, and and that's what's that's what they are today. Well, let's talk about your coffee uh, for a minute. It says, you know, on your website that you source coffee sustainably. Sustainably, what does that mean for a company that I'm guessing buys an awful lot of coffee beans? Yeah, we do. So, um, yeah, like the, the website, there's a kind of a stewardship tab if you, you had a moment to check that out. But mm-hmm. we we do what we can to give back to the coffee communities. We actually did a, a three-year project in Colombia where we created, um, we actually built some uh, what they called sanitary units, but really they were just bathrooms and little septic systems for small family farms. Mm-hmm. And so... You know where they were, where there was really just uh, kind of very archaic um, facilities. We we upgraded those, and actually we went uh, went there and toured some of them. And it was just it was really delightful to see, you know, how much pride and um, appreciation these small family farms uh, saw 
in these little sanitary units that we were able to provide. And so we try and do that, whether it's uh, we've supported a school in Costa Rica and did uh, actually did a, a well in Tanzania. So depending upon what we've got going on and, and where we're buying coffee from at any given point, that's how we try and give back. Mm-hmm. So you're doing some some sort of infrastructure development in many ways along with uh, uh, helping the local economies. Yeah, we we sure did that in, in on the Columbia project. So yeah, that was uh, it was pretty amazing, and, and it actually kind of creates some loyalty as far as the the farmers and our relationship being able to purchase their green. Mm-hmm. So that's it's it's really a win win when it when it comes to kind of those give backs and those relationship with the farmers. And is it? Uh, I mean, there's certainly. Uh, coffee has boomed in America in the last 20 years. Are, do you have to compete with other, um, say, a Dutch Brothers or a Starbucks when you're sourcing beans? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's Yeah, it's a very competitive environment. You know, not only are green beans being purchased for the United States, but all over right. the world. Um, so, yeah, th- there's always competition, but, you know, I think that's that is good for the farmers because that, you know, just kind of bumps their prices. So, yeah, just, just like anything else, whether it's upstream at the green coffee level or, or downstream, uh, you know, on the retail street, it's, uh, it's all friendly competition. The, the coffee industry is full of, you know, really encouraging people and uh, where one might see it as a bunch of competition. Uh, a lot of us in the industry see it as, you know, the high tide lifting all ships. Yeah, we, you can call it competition, but we kind of don't really see it that way. It's, I think there's, there's room for all of us. Um, and I understand that Human Being operates on a franchise model and that you have stores really all over the United States. Um, are there specific geographic locations you target for expansion, or does that depend on the interest and drive of the franchisees? Yeah, the, the latter. That's a good question. So, yeah, you, usually we're... Um, we open stores where franchisees are located. Um, so we partner with people that are, you know, in markets. Sometimes they're, you know, small, you know, family entrepreneurs that just want to open one store. Usually that leads into two and three and four stores. But uh-huh. um, And then we also partner with, you know, kind of larger multi-concept franchisees, you know, that, are, that already have, you know, maybe a sandwich concept or some other concept that, um, and they wanted to want to add something to their portfolio in any given market. But we don't we don't really go advertise in any market. It's really kind of inbound. You know, somebody's visited a human being when they're on vacation, or they've found us uh, on the web. You know, the the specialty coffee industry, and especially in the drive-through space, is really um, you know increasing in popularity, especially after the pandemic. And so um, we're really busy right now just because of that. And I think, you know, a lot of us in this space are. You're listening to The Ground Floor on Jefferson Public Radio. You can find us online at jeffexchange.org. I'm your host, Cynthia Schur, and today I'm speaking with Dan Hawkins, co-founder, CEO, and president of The Human Being. So, Dan, if I were interested in uh, becoming a franchisee, where would I start? Well, Cynthia, we'd love to have you as a franchisee. <laughs> you've, 
got you've got the best real estate in Southern Oregon. That's going to be tricky to. <laughs> uh, no, um, so yeah, you know, hopping on our website and uh, there's a, a, a franchise tab that can give you some of the basic information, and then you know, once we've we've made contact with you, we you know, we provide, of course, all of the necessary franchise disclosure documents and all of that. But you know what's um, you know, the, the franchising space is, you know, extremely complicated, as we learned early on. But right. when, it, when it gets right down to it, it's about, you know, relationships and support, you know, and making sure we're providing our franchisees the tools to be successful. And, um, you know, we have, a, gosh, 33 or four people now in our support center. So <clears throat> really, we want to take all of the anxiety out of opening a new business. And, and we do that just through support and encouragement and you know, helping them check all the boxes, both, you know, pre-opening and post-opening. And the marketing team is amazing and uh, able to, you know, facilitate marketing tools to, to you know, keep them running successful. That was actually going to be one of my questions, which is, you know, what's dis- sometimes franchise models get a bad rap. And so um, the distinctive piece of your, of your business, if I'm a franchisee, is that extra support? Yeah, for sure, and I and and you're right. They can get a bad rap, and you know, it's, you know, some of the larger ones they they lose touch and track of why they did this in the first place. Um, you know, franchising should really should just be you know a support mechanism for franchisees to get into a new business, and so that's that's where we come in. I, again, we you know we want to take all that anxiety, and uh, because you know starting your starting a new business is, is scary, and so if we can help support them and, and, you know, show them what we've done over the last, you know, 25 years and uh, 150 stores open and many more in development. And we've learned a lot and we, we keep learning, but, um, but it's, it's certainly a lot easier for new franchisees to do this with somebody that's in support and able to, to buy well and um, provide, you know, good buying wholesale prices, not only for, for goods, but also for, you know, some of the technology that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of kind of more of a co-op where, you know, everybody kind of benefits from uh, a larger entity. Right. So, so you mentioned that starting a new business can be scary. When you were starting your business, um, was there anything in particular that was a, like, um, Oh no! <laughs> kind of moment. What was? What were any of your uh, panic moments when you were starting your business? Yeah, I mean, it, it was um, you know drive-through coffee, drive-through without you know dining was you know still fairly new twenty-five years ago. Right. And so it was it was a fairly new concept, um, and you know we did all the wrong things and turned in four hundred one ks and got you know took money out on credit cards and you know, scratch and clawed to open the first one. Um, you know, equipment was all leased, so we didn't own it. So it, you know, all of those, all of those big leaps of faith that you take when you do that. But, um, and of course we, yeah, we stubbed our toe along the way multiple times with, you know, the picking the wrong equipment or the wrong, oh gosh, credit card provider or wrong point of sale technology. But, um, you just learn over time, and you you know you you partner up with the right people, and um, so there wasn't any really one thing that was that was uh, you know a burden or a huge roadblock. It was just a whole bunch of small things that you just <laughs> you know put your head down and grind through, and and hope it works out in the end. Grinding through, no pun intended. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I saw that you've got um, Coffee for a Cure coming up on October 20th. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that how, how you started that effort and, uh, uh, you know, just what that what it, that entails and how many of the human beings that entails. Uh, yeah, no, thank you for mentioning that. So um, it, it actually started with uh, Hurricane Katrina way back when. Oh, really? Um, we, yeah, we... We after the the hurricane, we were all just sitting around, just going, "Gosh, we have to do something. What can we do?" Uh, and so we did the give back day, and then um, you know, once we had done that, and gosh, it was uh, it was amazing the results. But what also was amazing is you know, people want to participate, they want to give. They sometimes they just don't know how, and so <clears throat> coffee for cures where uh, all of the the sales uh, for all beverage and food items goes directly to a local breast cancer center to either provide like low-income mammograms or uh, after-diagnosis care. And uh, so we've done that, gosh, I think it's our 16th year now and maybe off a year or two, but it's... Um, it's been fun. It's really our, you know, kind of our signature give back. We do three others throughout the year that um, are a lot of fun, but Coffee for a Cure is kind of our main one that really produces a lot of help where needed, and it's all local, and, and all stores participate, so all 150 stores are involved in that. So when you say local, you mean the money that's raised by that franchisee stays in their community? Exactly. Oh, got it. Yeah, like here in here in the valley, we go half to you know Providence and half to Asante's breast care centers. Well, it sounds like the human being is taking care of all the human beings, and I know that's the um, the pun you guys use as well. But it sounds like you've got both um, uh, the morning coffee with a lot of give back and uh, social responsibility involved as well. Yeah, it's um, you know we've really been blessed with. Um, amazing partners and uh you know our our customers are awesome and so you know kind of it's it is a a community of all of us trying to 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 make the world a little better thank you so much for being uh being our guest today on the ground floor Uh, we've been speaking with dan hawkins co-founder ceo and president of the human being and that was Cynthia Schur. You can find that program and more on our website at jeffexchange.org or anywhere you download your podcasts.